Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you inky savages are joining me for episode number 120 of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. Sudden thought just popped in my head. I wonder how it is fish in like a fish tank know how to eat fish flakes. Like what about fish flakes makes them think that's like food? If in real life, in the wild, they would eat like bugs. Because fish flakes look nothing like bugs. But anyway, I ponder and I digress. But I want to talk about a couple of things before we get started with this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for using my affiliate code to make your purchases at Goldspot Pens. So the affiliate code is something that helps me out. Basically, I make a very small percentage, but a percentage nonetheless, of every purchase you make every time you shop on Goldspot. So that helps expand the empire of this multi-dozen dollar corporation that is the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Studios, LLC. I'm really cool about that. But today we're getting a condensed two-in-one sponsorship talk because the Banu Talisman shooting star is coming out today. And the affiliate, affiliate link for the shooting star Banu Talisman is going to be in the description of the show notes. Make sure you click on that and you buy it. It's 120 bucks. It's a really cool Banu pen. Let me read the thing to you, okay? The Banu Talisman shooting star. Catching a glimpse of a shooting star dart across the sky is indeed a rare incur- occurrence. For those lucky enough to bear witness to this natural phenomena, it is the perfect opportunity to cast one's dreams out into the universe. Yet how did this act of wishing on a shooting star come to fruition? We explore the legends and beliefs that lay behind this enthralling event, which serves as inspiration to the latest Banu Talisman design, the shooting star. So that tells you nothing about the pen. Let me, let me summarize this. Oh, wait a minute. This is interesting. As you probably know already, shooting stars are not really stars at all. Comets and meteors have mesmerized the human race since they were first spotted in the starry sky night. Upon spotting a shooting quote-unquote star, even if just for a split second, it is a common custom to make a wish. In the hopes of fulfilling your biggest dreams, Banu infused meteorite stone into the sparkling resin of the shooting star fountain pen. After After charging under natural sunlight or LED and desk lamps, the pen's body and cap can glow in the dark. Right, de- wait a minute. So they actually put shooting, like they actually put meteorite, like powdered meteorite into the pen, which now I have questions. Like how much meteorite are they putting in this pen? Is it like radiated? What if it's like green kryptonite for everybody? Like, is it going to damage my... If I have it in my pocket, like, is it going to cause, like, radiation damage to me? I don't know. I hope not because it's a really cool-looking pen. Can you imagine? Like, it weakens all of humanity the same way green kryptonite weakens Superman. <laughs> I don't think that is going to be the issue. But it's a limited edition, up to 300 pens. It's a gold spot exclusive. Now, even though it's a limited edition of 300 pens, it's not numbered. So you can just claim yours as number one or whatever number you want it to be. So I do like the idea that it's infused with star-shaped glitter and meteorite stone powder. I think that's really friggin' cool. My only concern is that's how, like, aliens invade the the planet, right? Because if you watched every, like, have the people making this pen not seen species or Venom? That's how, or the astronaut's wife, I think that was a movie. Guy goes into 
space comes back, accidentally brings aliens and little rocks and stuff like that, and then it like takes over and kills people and stuff. I don't think it's going to be the case. But listen, this is Banu. I don't know if you know this. Banu made its way to Armenia. It's made in Armenia. And this is a big deal because we're helping Banu get back on their feet after this big move from Russia. So it's gifted with a bo- it's gift box with commemorative information booklet and a manufacturer's warranty information. So the, all the same stuff. I don't know what the commemorative information booklet is, but I can't wait to get my hands on one. It should be in, I should have it by the time you're hearing this, but it's really cool. I like the talisman. I have the dragon's blood one. That's pretty cool. But this one having actual meteorite dust is a big deal. I think it's really cool. In any event, I also want to talk about my friend Neil. He is the owner of the BRLCoffeeCo.com company. It's a coffee company. They got great beans. They got great grinds. Please make sure to check out the BRLCoffeeCo.com. Now, what these sponsors have in common is with Goldspot is if you use coupon code ROY at checkout, you'll save money. So make sure to use coupon code ROY at checkout on both Goldspot.com Dot com using my affiliate link and brlcoffeeco.com website. So that's all I have for sponsorships. Thanks for listening. Before we get started with this week's episode of the podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words both from Tom and I. So be forewarned. You have been warned. Now on to the podcast. The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage 7. And thank you. So I think what we promised for this week was to do some mailbag stuff. But before we do some mailbag stuff, I really want to talk about some pens with you really quick, if that's okay. Unless you want to do mailbag and then talk about pens. You're cool. We could could do mailbag. Let's do mailbag. Okay, fine. Fuck my idea. bag it. Thanks. With the mail. All righty. So bring up the emails that you want to talk about. Uh, Let's see. We got quite a few too because yeah. uh, we hadn't done this, I think, for a while. Yeah, I want to say it's it's been it's been some time here. Oh, and so, by the I way, mean, everybody listening, make sure you check out Ink Journal's Instagram. They're do, we're doing a giveaway. Well, he's doing a giveaway with an ink flight box. It's really cool stuff. But what I like about this giveaway is you have to comment on your favorite episode of the Pentertainment Podcast and like and follow Ink Journal and at Penboy Roy. But I like the comments that we're getting on those. So make sure you check out Ink Journal. Yeah, I'm really curious too. And that was the reason why I want to do that is to see which episodes people really had as their as their favorites. Yeah. And that would also let you know too as to who's paying attention, who's just being like, episode two. You know, just yeah. it's like it's like, well, which one is that? Yeah. It's like well, it's the one where uh, Tom drops a D's nuts joke. It's like, yeah, <laughs> then you've been paying attention. Right, right. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you. When you do the winner, do you use like a random winner picker thing? Or do you just yeah, like... Yeah, so it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of unnecessarily elaborate. I'm sure there's some sort of software that I could pay for that does it for me. But mm-hmm. I just refuse to, <laughs> to do that sort of thing. So what I'll do is like, for example, it's on TikTok, Instagram and twitter and facebook so each you know entry is a each entry is a comment that follows mm-hmm. the rules so then i'll count up all of those entries and say i have a pool of combined number of entries of like let's say 
200. Mm -hmm. Then I'll go to a random number generator and say to myself, okay, I'm going to, the, the number of entries is going to be like, like TikTok will be first, Instagram second, Facebook third. I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically that order, but just kind of have it in your head to say like, okay, if the number is one through 30, which is as many uh, TikTok comments there are, if it falls within the first 30 comments, it's the chronologically it's like let's say the first 30 comments in tiktok and whatever first 30 that there is and if it was a number 25 it would be the 25th comment so it'd be kind of like that so so then just random number generator whatever number it is that's where i would pick it in the ah i see is that why you're giving me shit about like entering into the i mean obviously i don't want to win the giveaway but i just think it's always funny to put in my two cents and then tag you because <laughs> you might accidentally, I might accidentally win. I, oh no! If 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 I land on yours, you're not getting it. <laughs> right. You just do it again, right? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Let's see some emails. Let's. Uh, which emails do you want to read? Which uh, which one was like the last one that we actually talked about on the air? Because I'm trying to think of the last time we actually did this and. Uh, and you know what we were discussing at that particular point in time, and I think it was probably like the JJ Lax episode because we've been getting some questions about JJ Lax and and some nib related questions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to see here, uh, but we what we would need to have JJ on the show again to answer these questions. So yeah, let's, he's let's down. Go he's down for a part three. You know, yeah, I like yeah. it. I do too. I yeah, love it. So when, let me see. Did you did we ever look at this one on April eleventh from David Not Figboot Parker? David Not Figboot Parker. Yeah. Uh, oh, the one that was uh, handwritten. Yeah, handwritten. No, I don't think we did. Oh, okay. Because I I always love I always love it when people do that. Like it, they write us emails. I love that. I love it a little more when they write it out, take a picture of it, and then send it. You know what right. I mean? Because you know what it is? You, you can kind of – it's weird. I feel like you can tell a little bit more about somebody when you see their handwriting. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? The more expressive the nib, too, I kind of find you get more of that feeling. So yeah. if it's like – let's say if it's, it's a semi-flexible or it's like a stub nib, you kind of get a little bit more of that dimension of like mm-hmm. how they're – emotions are coloring their words right right so i don't know do you want to read this one or is the topic too outdated it's up to you uh let's see no i was talking about uh the your your love for conklin pens mm. so is it he oh, said i was uh, looking at the uh the subject yes yeah. uh dear pbr and tom should there should be some sort of like marketed product i mean there's perhaps blue ribbon but there should be something else that you could get your name behind that could use pbr Maybe like uh peanut butter roy because it would be keto keto friendly peanut butter pbr right um okay so he's he writes um great podcast this week and great is all in capital letters so that that is any indication of mm-hmm. how handwriting does give you that extra little bit of a, emotional intensity right uh as a certifiable conklin fanboy c pick which the pick was included which includes mm-hmm. lots of Conklin pens, including Thurographs, All-Americans, uh, even a couple of Monteverde tool pens on yeah. there, too. So uh, so we have, I can, he says, I write, oh, I'm sorry, 
I can entirely relate to Roy's spoken love letter to the brand and the company. Uh, I just love the fit and the styling of their durographs and all Americans. As for the whole Twisby Narwhal debacle, uh, the only way Twisby's actions make sense are if they're trying to drive the market value of Narwhal down before trying to buy them slash buy them out. Uh, here's where I have to disagree with Roy a little. I don't care how pretty your pens are. I refuse to give any more of my money uh, to a company that ugly. Anyways, great episode, fantastic topic. Sincerely, David Notfigboot Parker. I love his D's and P's. The- well, I mean, when you have a name like that you practice your d's and p's you know yeah no but i just i actually love the way he writes the d's and he he writes he writes the p's and stuff like d that. is it, d is a really hard especially in cursive i found like d is like a very difficult letter to get down i am right. never satisfied with my d's yeah seriously and, and my k's too so my k's my i love my lowercase k in script but like the uppercase one just feels a little too wonky really yeah, I, I live with that. My last name starts with a K. Okay, so, you know, just talking about this this email, I am also a fanboy of Conklin, and I do appreciate a lot of the Conklin pens. As a matter of fact, I like the Avalone Durograph that he has. I wish I had one. Mm-hmm. Tom. Tom. Oh, I wish but, I actually no no wrong guy because I, I got to talk to Neve about that, but you know I I don't want to keep rehashing negative stuff because I I have to make it clear my whole. My whole point in bringing up the whole Twisby Narwhal debacle, and I've mentioned this several times, is I am a huge proponent of second chances. And I am never about, hey, let's put this guy out of business and fuck this guy and cancel him. I'm not about that. My thing is, I just wish I had enough influence, which I don't. I wish I had enough influence to piss Twisby off enough to get them to be like, hey, you know what? We're not, we, we shouldn't be doing this and stuff like that. And listen, I, I posted I posted a post on Instagram despite you know your I and, saw that yeah that you were you took the spoon and you decided to stir the pot yeah well despite you and everybody telling me not to do it I just I did it because I'm thinking about it and it's like you, you know me like case study in law is my forte and when it comes to stuff like this it irks me it really irks me that that this is the kind of behavior that Twisby is doing. And people are out there like, oh, you know, they're allowed to do that. No, they are absolutely not. Yeah, they're a Chinese company. I thought they were Taiwanese, actually. Are they Taiwan or China? No, they're Taiwanese. Taiwan, yeah. yeah. So they're another country. But in order to trade with the U.S., they have to follow regulations and rules that exist in the U.S. And people think, oh, well, they can do business with whoever they want. That is true. They can do business with whoever they want. Right. And they can do exclusives with whoever they want. But the premise behind doing business with whoever they want can't come with the caveat that you have to suppress other competitive brands. That's just mm-hmm. not allowed. And, well, and also, the, also, too, is changing the dynamic of the relationship right. in the middle of the relationship. Right. If that's Because there's certain agreements that you could enter when it comes to establishing a, a vendor relationship that you would sign off on for example one of the more popular ones is the minimum 
advertised pricing policy, which is a lot of times like the caveats that you would see in the promo codes where you say like, oh, you know, this does not, uh, this code cannot include Sailor, you know, uh, Twisby, Edison, things like that, because it is an agreement that is made between the retailer and the distributor or manufacturer that says, we want to protect the image of the brand and we don't want our, we don't want our network of retailers to just get into a price war with each other and then send the value of the items that we sell plummeting mm-hmm. towards inevitably zero. Right. So so that's something that is agreed upon right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And and if you have agreements like that, you violate them, you violated contract rules. Right. So 100%. therefore we're not going to sell to you. That's right. understandable. But like to to all of a sudden you know, make that change in the middle of a relationship when that was not agreed upon upon entering the relationship. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the, you know, that's not, that's not kosher. It's not. No, it's not. It's, it's violation of contracts. And listen, I think that the way it is with retailers and the brand and stuff like that, there's not a lot of lawsuits that's going to happen. So, but the situation, just so everybody knows is this, as of May 1st, people who still sell, narwhal or aren't expressing their support in dropping narwhal just don't get their orders filled so like retailers out there there are several that i've spoken to they're just like yeah they're just not sending our orders so we agreed on a certain order we agreed on a relationship they suddenly just drop oh now it's gonna be you're not getting it now and that's it and there's no if ands, or buts about it. Everybody either just bends to the will of Twisby or they don't get it. And my thing was like, I just wish everybody said, hey, Twisby, we're not playing by your rules because you don't make the rules. We have laws in this country and you can't just make them up as you go along. And it's different than brands saying, hey, listen, we won't sell to a store unless they follow our display rules, right? So like every Mont Blanc boutique or store you go to, you have to follow a certain set of rules. And that's established at the onset of the business relationship. This don't sell these knockoffs or whatever that Twisby is saying isn't something that was established. And secondly, Twisby, Narwhal is not a knockoff of a Twisby. So it's it's kind of it's kind of hypocritical in that Twisby is saying the piston mechanism is exactly the same in a narwhal. And if you sell narwhal, we're going to drop you as a retailer. Well, Twisby kind of used the exact same mechanism back when they first started. They built their success on it. And all of a sudden, somebody else is doing it and they're just going nuts. So, like, there was a lot of comments. After a while, it's just I'm like, I can't respond to so much talking. <laughs> I well, mean, see, it, that's the thing. You just, you just, you just stirred the pot, and you just watched a, a all can, of the. Yeah, yeah but you opened up a can of worms there. What I do, what I do appreciate and notice, is everybody's cordial and respectful. There's no like condescension and stuff like that. Nothing. Mm-hmm. There was no like, hey, you're a fucking idiot. Like I was impressed with how civil people are yeah the discourse and stuff like Mm -hmm. that you know and i do understand that this can be very emotional for people people can be very emotionally attached to this and affected by it and oh yeah because i mean think about it if you love twisby and i do and i have twisby pens and i said to you before if something comes out and i really like it i'm probably gonna buy it but Mm -hmm. 
I have so many, I'm not going to keep buying them. But it's not because of this. I'm not about, hey, let's just hope they run down out of business. But Twisby has contributed a whole lot to the industry. And just like I said about Conklin being like kind of like a gateway pen from cheap metal pens to expensive acrylic pens, I think Twisby is also the gateway between cheap pens that are no cartridge pens. converters to yeah. expensive piston fillers, right? Mm-hmm. And or just it just it, it just an enthusiasm for pens itself, right? You know? it's just because a lot of people could just get in their first pen could be an ego or a go or swipe. exactly like and that could and i've known several times where people get a twisby eco and they're like hey i wonder what else is out there like any pen company that causes that reaction i think is great and i think they need to exist i just think the element of the owner phil being an asshole needs to go that's it because he's an asshole unilaterally to almost everybody Almost everybody I know who had an interaction with him, he's a dick to them. It's not necessary. You don't need to scream at people. You know what I mean? And I understand that people, like on Instagram, does it post. He writes, you know, he's responding to Iron Helix, who also is a great photographer. I don't know why he stopped posting this guy, Iron Helix. But does it post is a fan of the fan of fountain pens. And he also is a great photographer. He takes good pictures and contributes to the community he writes finally a proper explanation of how laws work a lot of emotionally charged opinions but not a lot of facts thanks so you know it's it's clear that does it post is a fanboy of twisby and there's nothing wrong with that you know what i'm saying and i looked at his i looked at his thing and it's like he's in toronto canada and he loves a lot of pens and stuff like that and iron helix is talking a lot about laws in regard to exclusives and all the information that he's talking about when it comes to exclusives is a hundred percent correct you know what i mean but we're not talking about exclusivity here we're certainly not talking about exclusivity we're talking about a violation of fair trade laws and if you are trying to apply those exclusivity rights to what's happening then you're misapplying the law you know what i'm saying but Mm -hmm. you know with does it posts response that's that's to me is a fine comment it's not disrespectful and everything like that it's a little bit dismissive of what everybody else is saying you know what i'm saying and to make a comment like that you kind of have to have an understanding of the law in, in terms of federal trade law in the u.s I don't know how much of a grasp he has on those laws being in Canada. I don't know. Maybe he studies U.S. law and stuff like that. But if he does have information that I'm missing, I would be more than happy to hear it. You know what I mean? But in the end, I want this to go away. And the way I want it to go away is I want this guy Phil to just back off and send all these retailers who committed to selling the product, send them their orders. Don't withhold the orders from these people just because they're stocking other brands. You can't do that. And then on top of that, if we let this go, how long before other brands start doing it? It's a line that should Mm -hmm. not be crossed. It can't be crossed. You know what I'm saying? That kind of control should not come from a manufacturer. That kind of decision of what what a retailer carries has to come from the retailer. And if you're Mm -hmm. threatened by a brand, then make your shit better. That is all there is to it. You can't t- say to them, stop selling 
this brand, otherwise you can't sell mine. And it would have been great if... Or if all- there's a legitimate gripe, like is, is, is there, there's something that could be proved and disputed in a court, like like a patent or copyright infringement. Yeah. Then do that directly without having to, you know, cause a spillover into doing business with other retailers because... I mean, hey, you know, it's it's a small industry. It's mm-hmm. it's not like electronics or fashion or whatever. It's just pens. Like, there's not a, there's not like a whole load of different retailers that do this sort of specialty selling of, of of fountain pens. I mean, maybe they may break into doing like let's say uh, staples at some point, but I don't mm-hmm. think that's gonna happen. But like, right. it's it's a small world and. You know, let's say, let's say, let's say all the people that decided to stick with Narwhal, you know, don't end up going and, and are have this bad taste in their mouth. Let's say they, you know, they want to expand, but like they reverse their decision. They expand back outwards to all these different, reach out to these different retailers. Are they going to want to reconnect these relationships if, if there's such a, you know, a, a turbulent aspect to how they're, they're being handled? Yeah. You know, sure. it's just, it's. Yeah, because then all of a sudden there could be something else that, you know, offends the brand. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're shut down again. And all that work in, you know, putting together the content around it, promotion, you know, all of the, the space that's being used on the ads and the, the website and stuff like that. All of a sudden that, that just evaporates. Because right. And now it's, it's, it's like, really, well, what do you do? People don't realize how significant it is for a relationship like this just to suddenly fall apart, right? So, like, if I'm Twisby and you're Goldspot, which you are, I mean, no, Not you're, really. you're, you're, mean, yeah. you're, you represent Goldspot. <laughs> but if we agree, okay, yeah, you're going to get this many pens, you're ordering from me, great, I'm going to ship them to you. So you're like, great. So you're preparing, like you said, content, you're preparing photographs. You pay money for those photographs. You hire, you have a guy who takes pictures of it. You you invest time, you invest money, you invest limited space that you have. And all this investment that you're doing all of a sudden because, and that investment is valuable to you, all of a sudden is suddenly being just thrown out because Twisby suddenly is like, you know what? I don't like that you're selling this brand. So guess what? You're not getting your shit. So all that is a waste. And that's very backstabbing and it's very jarring to retailers. So... I think I wish this guy would just stop it. Stop the bully tactics because one, it's just not right. Two, it's unethical. And three, it doesn't fall within the fair trade laws that the federal government established. And that's my biggest thing. But my thing is also this. Twisby has contributed so much. I enjoy Twisby and they have a lot of value to me and they have a lot of value to the fountain pen community. And I think they... I don't want them to disappear and I don't think they should. And I don't think there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm never buying Twisby again. Listen, if you say to me, I'm never buying Twisby until they reverse this whole nonsense, I can be on board with that. But I don't think we should. Twisby's done a lot of good. And yes, the owner's an asshole and he treats people like shit. But I think people can change and I think... Second chances are are awesome, you know, but sometimes you know swallow pride. You got to do the right thing out there. But anyway, let's move on. I don't I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer. 
and no offense to anybody well, we, whose name hey, we're is like we're, like we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about this so much and then that's all you did it's, it's like the we don't talk about bruno and then it's like all you don't all we do is talk about bruno yeah <laughs> right because there's a lot more positive stuff that we can talk about i'm just my i last thing people are missing the, people are just <laughs> people are just missing the point people are missing the point because they don't have all the information and that's understandable and that goes for anybody on any i think that goes for a lot of people like on any side of the aisle you think that twisby has every right to do it you think you, they don't have any right to do it and and stuff like that but there's also a lot of a lot of aspects about it that is missing that people don't entirely know and i'm really talking about it just because to me it's very wrong and on paper it's very wrong they can't do this to the retailers and doing it to the retailers that they've done it to is is really i mean I, a friend of mine i'm not going to mention names because he said to me the fountain pen industry is not a very lucrative market and by he asked me why do you keep talking about this piece is by you talking about it do you realize you're making everybody all the retailers that chose to keep twisby demonized you're demonizing them and he said because it's not a lucrative market they don't want to lose twisby so they have to fall in line so they don't have a choice so they fall in line even though it's not right but you talking about it demonizes them. So my answer to him was, listen, if me talking about it and me talking about their decision demonizes them, then it's not me talking about it that's demonizing them. It's their, their own decision. But my intention is never to demonize the retailers, not at all. And I don't think they're at fault for making the decision. I think the fault is them being placed to make that decision in the first place. They shouldn't have to buy Twisby. It is their decision, and they shouldn't be forced to make it. Just like you, you don't carry Nino Marino's pens because you carry Leonardo. But that decision was yours and yours to make. And it wasn't Leonardo or Salvatore saying, hey, listen, if you want to carry Leonardo, you have to not carry Nino Marino, Nino Marino's pens. That was your decision. May, uh, I think I think that actually may end up being in the cards in the future because of what's going on with that. The Delta, I think, is going to be making a comeback with Nino, mm -hmm. and they're going to be. I think they're taking over the uh, Miura. Like Miura is going to shift over into Delta. So I, I would I would anticipate that would probably be the case, like sometime in the future. But wait, 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 wait. What would be the case that Salvatore is going to tell you not to carry? No, no, no. That 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 it ends up being that like there would be like there would be a Nino Marino pen through this new Delta company thing. You know. Oh, oh. You're saying you're saying it might be the case that you will carry both brands. But okay, so that yeah. again. That just highlights my point. That is your decision to make. It is not Salvatore's decision to make for you. And same thing, it is not Twisby's right to make that decision for you. And he's making every and he's taking that decision-making power that he is not entitled to. And that's the issue that I have with it. And I have an issue with him. I think he's an asshole. But I also love Twisby pens. Mm -hmm. If he came out with a new, like, green acrylic one, for sure. 
for sure i'm getting it <laughs> you know i saw your latest pen on your instagram feed the duragraph that blue and gold one. Oh, i love a, it you took some really sharp shots of that let me just say like it's just like it, the because it it's not easy to get a reflective pen like that and not get everything else in the background yeah i'm telling you man that pen is so gorgeous the metal blue duragraph and mm -hmm. the rose gold is so gorgeous, it is hard to take a bad shot. Now, if you're talking about catching reflections, right? Like if I'm sitting there in my boxers taking pictures of it and you're looking at a contorted version of my <laughs> my boxers on the pen. No, the reason why is I stay further back. I just hit 2.5 magnification on the phone mm -hmm. and it doesn't catch reflection. So, yeah, and it's the angle. The angle is very uh, necessary too. Like yeah. you gotta make sure that the camera is like angled so that it's not going to like see. You're not gonna see the lens in it. So, mm -hmm. um, but by the way, too, I, I happen to be watching um, uh, boxing over the weekend. It's like I usually don't you know, oh, yeah? watch boxing or MMA or whatever. But I I did not know that Muhammad Ali's grandson is is a boxer, and he just straight oh, up did knocked you out see? that fool that <laughs> knockout oh man within oh. two and a half minutes he had him and on the ground that he was even it did, he even did his best attempt at the the shuffle ali's shuffle <laughs> i mean but like that was such a clean but the way it reminded me of that is that you had a you said mentioned mike tyson in your in your post so that's that's why it's like that's what my mind my connection was and i was just like i was like oh, oh. i had to mention that to you listen this is just sound life advice that i posted on my instagram for everybody listening and i wrote it out using my conklin durograph metal blue i call it the cortana edition because it's blue like cortana and by the way i love cortana in the new tv show everybody's like griping about her i think she's awesome but anyway i wrote if you want to piss someone off on an airplane don't choose mike tyson right because that's just the dumbest decision in the world of all the people on the planet you can choose to piss off why did you choose the one guy who is unilaterally described on the planet as the baddest man on the planet right mm -hmm. and the guy was just sitting there saying leave me alone man he's telling him leave me alone man just leave me alone Gosh, man, the baddest man on the planet tells you to leave him alone. Leave him alone. But anyway, let's go on to the next email. We've been talking about a lot of stuff. We promised to read emails and stuff. Yes. So uh, well, we had one from Jacob. Okay. So I'm, okay. Yeah. Like I was just reading to see if I uh, if I could just mention, which I don't think he doesn't say we can't mention his name. So mm. I'm just going to leave his last name out of it. So. Uh, so Jacob writes, hi, Penboy, Roy, and Tom. Recently, I watched Goldspot's video, random pop-up on my YouTube feed, where Tom and Sal bring their kids to Goldspot and have them look and choose some fountain pens. That, by the way, actually, the anniversary of that sh was, like, recently because it was Bring Your Kids to Work Day last week. Mm. And that's when we did it. It was, like, the Bring Your Kids to Work Day. Every kid got, like, a signed-off piece of letterhead that said that they spent the day at gold spot you know at the at our office and mm. you know this is what we do and whatever so brought them all in what one day and had them each they wrote with a pen that they picked out and they were part of that video it's on the gold spot youtube video it was, it was fun and mm -hmm. we took them to uh, mcdonald's and then to bellworks and they played on the bellworks happened to have in their big like atrium type area was a, a inflatable bounce house that had a slide what, what, on it. What is, is Bellworks? I don't know what this is. Uh, Bellworks is the old uh, Bell Labs building. 
Um, that's actually on the show. They they did uh, some photography and videography on that show on Apple TV called Severance mm-hmm. um, of Bell Works. Okay. So they so that's actually filmed partially there. It's in Home Dell. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just basically they took the old Bell Labs. They 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 renovated it and they have like retail shops at the bottom, places to eat. But it's mostly like co- collaborative working spaces and uh, the libraries there. You have uh, office space and stuff like that. So it's a big. They call it a metro burb, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Gotcha. Trendy stuff. So Jacob says that got me wondering for Tom. Do you let your kids play with write with your ten pen collection, especially your most favorite Leonardo? Do they understand what they're actually holding in their hand? Uh, i.e. not only expensive, but all the qualities and stories and sentimental value that make those pens grail worthy. You know, just besides the, oh, that's just daddy's job. Uh, By the way, all the pen influencers I came across, Tom is the only one that always pronounced Leonardo Momento Zero with style, especially with the uh, Zero part. The way not you pronounce the, the way you pronounce zero and momento zero is what he's talking about. You don't just oh, say not zero. not just saying zero. It's you say uh, zero. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then also too is he has to PBR's affiliate link. It's it's number three. I think PBR deserves a number one spot, right? Don't you think, Tom? Insert thank fire you. Comment. Comment. Yes. Thank you. You know, I even brought that up to you before, and this validates me, Jacob. Thank you. I love you. Because I brought that up to Tom once before. Tom's response was, oh, my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, pretty much. It's, it's uh, any any little bit of validation you just need. And it's like, wait a second. I wasn't number one or yeah. number two. It yeah, was number seriously. three. Seriously. Yeah. Number three. So, so the reason behind that, let's, let's, let's just go back to that first. The reason okay. why that is as it is is because number one was taken by a test account like there's there had to be like one account that it started with it was a test one Mm -hmm. then number two was somebody that we were just kind of like entered into the system as like a real like a real beta test and before we wanted to roll out the affiliate program and and involve more people so it's basically like we didn't want I didn't want to give you the first one because it's just was it's like that's the pancake you throw out you know like it's not the you know, so you got the third try, which is the 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 better of the. I mean, three is a good number too. So not, but not by the traditional standards. I don't have a hairy chest, <laughs> right? First is the worst, second's the best, third is the one with the hairy chest. I don't have a hairy chest. <laughs> I am like a baby dolphin, all over, because I don't have the ability squeaky, to be hairy. Like you're the you're the yin to my yang. You are overly hairy, and I am underly mm-hmm. hairy. Right. See my face right here. This is like six weeks worth of not shaving. You are full bearded. That must be like what this morning you shaved this morning. Yeah, my uh, so my my brother in law saw me for the first time in two weeks uh, this weekend. And he was like, dude, I hadn't seen you in two weeks. And I was like, no, this was just from yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you look like you just came out of the forest after living in the forest with like a hatchet and a lighter for a month. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a rough month. I wonder what you look like completely shaven. And I remember Caitlyn Superdad made a meme that was really disturbing looking for some reason. I wish Caitlyn well, Superdad, it, if you're listening, I, I'd like another shot. I'd like you to do give we, another shot at that. We did discuss that, I think, on a previous podcast saying that, like, my, my wife has – I've done that before and mm-hmm. she has cried mm-hmm. when the goatee was gone. So I, I keep it for her. But now I'm kind of, like, expanding on, you know – 
the the overall appearance. Why don't you just go full Delta Force look and just grow out the beard and shave your head completely? Well, see, the thing is, like, I will, I will, I'm working on this. I'm getting comfortable with what's going on now. I don't like the the stuff underneath the neck. It's just it's like way too like itchy. So I have mm. to get rid of that, and that would probably also make me just it makes it look like I'm not even trying. Mm-hmm. So and the, but I am thinking about the the top portion. What you were just saying about mm-hmm. just doing like yeah. completely, yeah. And then put on about so. forty pounds of muscle. You'll look pretty badass. Yeah. Right. Maybe you know so. that's gonna take a lot of effort though, because I need to eat a lot of steak and yeah. beef prices are just way, way too high right now. It's it's not eggs are getting crazy. Are eggs really? are getting crazy right eggs now. Eggs are yeah, I the always, avian flu. Yeah, I always get what? Say what again? Talk the, about that again. The avian flu. What the, the fuck's going flu. on with that? Is it happening? This bird flu. Just remember, know. remember what happened like a while ago that the bird, the birds all started getting bird flu and like the egg prices shot up for like a a thirty pack of eggs went from like four dollars to like a mortgage payment. It was crazy. <laughs> well, I buy, I always buy pasture raised organic eggs. So uh-huh. pasture, pasture raised. So like, it's like cage free just means that they're not in a cage sometimes. And every mm-hmm. other term just means that they are outside more a little, a, a little bit <laughs> and then they get shoved back into a crate. But pasture raised means they're actually raised on a pasture and they go inside like a wooden hut and shit like that. And organic means they're fed organic shit. So you have a higher level of omega-3 fat and less stress hormone in it. So it's actually better for you. But it's way better to eat eggs, even the cheap ones, than it is to eat like pasta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But whatever. I don't need to get into in, get into that. But those eggs, I'm telling you, pasture raised eggs, I pay about $10 for a carton. Oh, for yeah. what, a dozen? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's like it's Man. it's it's a lot too because like I eat about five to eight eggs a day, you know. Damn. Yeah. So it, it was that like mostly a breakfast thing, or is that like well, like you know, lunch? You, you like know, I do intermittent do. fasting. So. Oh yeah! Since, right, 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 right. So, but like that's what you break your fast on, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'll eat that. So it's like breakfast. Well, it depends. Sometimes I'll start breakfast. I'll start my first meal with. What whatever I'm in the mood for, I'll start with like a steak and broccoli, or if I'm not in the mood for that, I'll start with the eggs and broccoli or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But so I mean, it's just I, I I like to get those eggs because they're healthier. But like, let's say mm-hmm. they didn't have it, then I would just buy the cheaper ones. But I always opt for the non-cheaper ones, though, or pasture-raised ones. But the next yeah. email, you want to go on to the next email? Oh, well, I didn't answer one of Jacob's questions was oh, about, yes, uh, yes. do I let my kids play or write with my 10-pen collection, especially my most favorite Leonardo's? No, they don't. Right. They don't touch that stuff. <laughs> well, they I have everything is in a uh, is in a clear display case that is sitting on top of a filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of out of the way. It's not in, you know, it's like I have to go... S- specifically for that area of the house just to find it like it's Mm -hmm. not out in the open or anything like that so Mm -hmm. they they don't i mean and like they've seen it before and they've been exposed to it they've been to the office and that's the reason why when i brought to them the idea of like coming to the office again this year for take your kid to work day last week they were just kind of like, eh, well, there's a play going on. Or, eh, well, I, 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 my, my daughter was like, well, you know what? There's not going to be that many kids at school today. I kind of like it 
when there's not a lot of kids at school because it's oh, fun. Oh, that's fucked up. She'd so rather go was, to school than go to work with dad. That tells yeah, you Yeah, because, I mean, that's they've been there. So they understand. Yeah. And and my daughter particularly, she's taken an interest in in fountain pens. And I, will, I have given her. She has a couple of Edison pens. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's good. That's good, like... You know, that was a that's a good start for her, I feel, at the age of 12. So it's like, right. you know, it's I mean, like my son's younger, so he's less gentle with his possessions, we'll mm-hmm. say. So I don't necessarily trust him with with much of anything, but he hasn't really shown that much interest in it. So yeah. he's more he's more the gamer type. He loves like sure. watching YouTube and he does, uh, you know, he plays, he's very physical, he's in sports and stuff like that, but he's not very much into the whole, you know, writing or artistic sort of thing, but my daughter is. So yeah. she she actually has a, a Rodia Gold book that she's documenting all of her various baking uh, adventures on. Hmm. So she's like, she's like, here's a recipe, here's what it looked like, and she would do it and write it down in her, in her notebook, so... Yeah. You know what I was thinking about when we're talking about this? Like if I wanted to get my – I don't have kids. But if I wanted to get a kid into fountain pens and they're like three or four, mm-hmm. you know what I would do just to give them something that looks like your fountain pen if, you know, you have a kid that's like, I want to play with it too. Just take an old like pen that you're not using that you would throw out and remove the nib unit and just jam a crayon in the section. <laughs> Right, so that way, just the tip of the crayon is sticking out of the section, and then they can cap and uncap it, and then scribble with the crayon or something like that, and then they won't poke themselves in the eye. Able to put, yeah, I think you might be able to wedge a a slim crayon. Like it can't be like a very chunky crayon, but you can probably, and you'd have to like probably chop it at a certain point so that it's as long as the section housing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just like you know, take a knife and carve it so that it it's a cone shape and then just punch it through the bottom of the section, screw it back on that way it jams and then just give that to the uh, kid. Let him play with that's it. That's really, like, that's really, that's really cute. Right. I yeah. Like that. I know. I don't yeah, even have kids. Good. And I thought of that shame on you, you horrible father for not thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I know, I, I know you've had, you've had your, Oh, you've always had your, your feelings on, on the topic and, and like you have, you've made your decision on it, but I always maintain that, you would make a you'd make a good father. I think you would make a, a great uh, father. I don't know about that because of your your level of your intensity and, and love that you have, and and this the creativity also as well. You think so? So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like I feel like you know every time someone has a kid, right? I feel like it changes them forever. I've seen people who have kids, and I've known people, and I've known dudes who were some of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. They have a kid. And they suddenly turn into the biggest softie in the world, right? So like before kids, it's like, oh man, that guy cut me off. Let's let's pull over and beat the fuck out of him, dude. Relax, you know. It's like maybe maybe let's not do that. And then after having a kid, it's like that guy pulled that guy cut in front of us. Maybe he's having a really bad day. Let's say a prayer for him. I'm like, dude, who the fuck are you? What the fuck happened? But is that but is that so bad though? No, but it's one also... one outcome you're you're possibly going and, and doing some jail time. The other one right. you're just like, you know, you're you're just gonna shrug it off and be like, oh well, oh well, we'll just right, get on that, with our day. But that could also highlight like different scenarios, right? So I've also known people where they were just like pretty moderate, mild, normal people, but then they have kids and then something triggers in them and it's not good where it's like, I don't know, they become super, super 
overprotective and and then obsessive about stuff. And I've seen it the other way too, where it changes people to the point where it's like not good. And mm-hmm. I, it might just be them. I don't know. I, me personally, yeah, I am just afraid that if we ever had kids, and these are my reasons, and they're not my wife's reason. My wife, she has her own different reasons, and we always stuck to them. And that was kind of like why we were so compatible back when we were in college. But my reasons mm-hmm. is. I really feel like if I had a kid, I would fuck that kid up. They would turn into a psycho. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I, th- I think there's a lot of genetic traits in me. Like I have a, you know, I have a pretty bad temper, you know about, right? And I get really heated and stuff. And when I was younger, I didn't manage the temper very well. Now I do because I'm older and more mature and stuff like that. But what if this kid gets born with that same thing? And then this world is really volatile. What if that temper puts him in the wrong place at the wrong time? You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Or what if, you know, I think that every kid needs to grow up with a level of toughness. And what if I overdo it or... Or what if I don't prepare them? I don't know. I I just I don't think I'd be a good. I don't think I'd be a good. Well, these these are these are questions that I have as well, and it's these are, you know, areas that you always think about and question yourself about too. Is like it's like whether I'm doing the right thing for them or if I'm doing something that's for me. You know, it's like well, you know, what are they going to listen to? How are they going to respond to it? There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of second guessing and and you know and and thoughts about that kind of stuff and. You know, you just kind of have to, uh, like, you have to have the, the 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 love and the desire have to be there, and that's an important part. It's mm-hmm. like you just can't force anybody to just take on that that responsibility because it's huge. And right. it's like, it's like if you're not if you're not willing to be part of that process and like just be willing to make those make those failures, then like you know, then then it's going to really mess them up. Mm. So. I see. But I do appreciate that you think I'd be a good father. I also tell you what I appreciate. I appreciate that you're not pushy about it because there are people who are like, oh, you got to have kids. What are you not doing? Why aren't you having kids? Have kids. Hurry up. Get into that bedroom. Fuck your wife and have a baby Mm -hmm. right now. It's like, Mm -hmm. relax. It's my choice. It's like, it's our choice. We decided not to. Oh, you're doing the wrong thing. You got to. And then forget about that. Parents, right? There are some parents out there that are very, very pushy about it. and. Yeah, you know, you know they, what I they'll, mean? They'll try to shame you into doing it. Yeah, and that's not the right reason. In my personal opinion, that is absolutely not the right reason to have kids. You should not be pressured into having kids. You shouldn't yeah. be told you have to. And you shouldn't say to yourself, I don't want to, but I guess I will. It's like we're not talking about going to McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac instead of the double cheeseburger value meal. We're talking about a life-changing, huge decision that you have to want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what, are you going to help me raise it? Yeah. <laughs> like to random pe- random person or, you know, friend or well-meaning uh, relative. It's like, are you going to help me out with this? Because, you know, you're going to I'm seeing you right now for however long today. Mm-hmm. Are you going to come back tomorrow and put in more hours and be able to right. take care of this kid? Right. You know, <laughs> so it's it's like it's like that. But I, I totally respect everybody who wants to have kids and. Who made the decision to have kids but i also respect people who decided not to have kids i i just you're being very diplomatic today I, i'm I always have like this though of... i like I, how am i how am i i'm always diplomatic i i always talk about 
both sides. I always try to be fair and I try to be as objective as possible when it comes to stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Because listen, there, I've known people. I've known people who've wanted to have kids before they're even capable of like catching a boner. I remember being in fourth grade, and I was talking to my friend at the lunch table, and he's like, "Yeah, when I grow up, I want to have like three kids." I'm like, "How the fuck do you know know that? Like, how would you even know that?" But he wanted to mm-hmm. since he was. I, I still keep in touch with him here and there, and. Fuck, man! This kid, this guy has three kids. So good for nice. him. Excellent. I'm yeah. really happy for him, right? Yeah. But like, at when you're in fourth grade, it's like, do you even know what to do with your dick to have kids? I'm sure he didn't, but he just wanted to have kids. No. You know, the desire but, was so strong that anything right. in its path was just right. going to be eliminated. Yeah. So he he ended up having three kids. So I'm really happy for him and stuff. Nice. I didn't even at that point in time. I'm like, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even. I thought girls had cooties at the time. Except, mm-hmm. except though, I, I do remember I had, like, crushes on, like, several girls in fourth grade. And I yeah. didn't understand. Yeah, totally did. Totally 100% did. I even remember <laughs> I even remember her name and we're friends on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, too. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. No, because I – and then I look at her and I'm like, huh, that's why I had a crush on her. She's not – you know, some people grow up well. She definitely did. But anyway, where the fuck were we going with this? No, we're talking about uh, Jacob's email. We can move on to uh, we could move on to Ken's if you want to, because we didn't we didn't uh, read Ken's previous email on the one on like episode one seventeen. I think it was. Okay, I can't find it. I don't know where. It... Oh, I see. Is that on the seventh? Um, that's only a one liner. There so was not... one. Let me see. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, there was a few. There's a few emails here, so I'm just trying to see if. Uh... Well, can I read one that popped up? Sure. Yeah, I'm reading one from a a, Pentertainment podcast listener. Who is also, I don't know if he's Korean American like me, but he's Korean. So if he's not Korean American, he's half like me. But. He's my brethren. Let me just read this one. Dear Pentertainment Podcast, I enjoy listening to your podcast. I don't know how many Korean listeners you have, but I just happen to be one, and I wanted to say a few things in response to what came up in the most recent episode. This is not a question or a complaint, but just some FYI that may be a bit too much info and oddly specific, but here I go. One, RoboCop. I agree with you. How could anybody not agree with me? I agree with you. By the way, the original one had innovated, innovative VFX as well. Far superior. I know this even though I am not old enough to have seen the movie when it was out. But you, sir, are correct. Number two, about the Parker Duofold. Long story short, the Korean pen community loves the Duofold Centennial. Yes, they do. The older but still modern quote-unquote Aeronib, is the most sought after, but the new one is just is praised. This is the main reason I wrote to you. I got into the fountain pen community via Goulet Pen videos on YouTube and grew fond of the culture through international social media platforms. However, I was so surprised when I joined the Korean fountain pen community. Not to sound rude, but the active members seem very old-fashioned there. Recently, there has been an increase in younger members and people who like quote-unquote fun and cheaper pens, but the community is just full of praise towards Montblancs, 
Parker Duofolds, and Pelicans. Maybe Auroras, too. I think anyone can enjoy fountain pens in whatever way they like, but it seems difficult to feel included when the norm seems to be that one... Sorry, it seems to be that one should strive to attain the big three. So the norm is getting Montblanc 146s or above, Pelican M800s or above, and Parker Dual Folds or above. Or, of course, you can be one of those collectors who owns all the limited edition Montblanc ink bottles that go $40 plus a bottle. Nevertheless, there are, of course, things I can definitely I can identify and agree with even in the Korean pen community. Even so, I have no doubt there are a larger portion of proud users in Korea than I than what I see on Fountain Pen Network or otherwise. So maybe Parker is more interested in accommodating Fountain Pen users of this sort. And best wishes. Okay, so this is actually true. Jay, I appreciate... You're speaking from your, your particular experience as I, a uh, co- Korean-American... I, not my particular experience, but I guess hearsay experience because Parker is a big name in Korea. So in in the Korean community in Korea, like for example, I knew a buddy of mine when he graduated college, his uncle bought him a Parker pen. It was the Sonnet Celeste or Cilici, Sicily or whatever they want to call it, Sterling Silver. Mm-hmm. And... When he he had it for years, and I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say it to him. I'm like, Parker? He got you a Parker as a graduation gift? He could have done better than that. And mm-hmm. then he was telling me, oh, no, no, Parker in Korea is such a big deal. If you get a Parker, everybody's about Parker over there. If you get a Parker, it's a big deal. It's a great gift. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, hmm. I didn't I didn't know that. So then looking around, I'm starting to realize, oh, yeah, this is this is true. The brand name means a lot to image in Korea with regard to Parker. I'm sure Montblanc also, but I just know that about Parker. But I don't think that, Jay, your observations in regard to communities that are really just like focused on Montblanc, Parkers, and Pelicans, I don't think that is just a Korean pen community thing. I think that's, I think that's a lot of different people who get sucked into that brand name image thing. But also realize, I think that it's more like that in Korea because Korea doesn't have a lot of pen manufacturers of fountain pens or high-end pens. So when they do have high-end pens, it's usually imported and it's usually the big names like Montblanc, Parker, and Pelican. And you said in the email, maybe Aurora, which is interesting because... Yeah, Aurora wasn't really widely distributed in Korea as well. So Korea gets very few high-end pen brands. And then when they do get them, they're like, oh, cool, look at what we have. So that's why people, that's why they're sought after. Now, nowadays, because of distributors who, or rather brands that are doing a really good job getting it out to the rest of the world because we have so much more modern communication. You're seeing Korea with more brands like Aurora. You're seeing Twisby. You're seeing Esterbrooks. You're seeing all kinds of different brands. And I think as time goes on and as these other brands are becoming more exposed in the Korean region, I do feel like they'll start to slowly meander and spread their their sites onto other brands, more so than just Parker, Montblanc, and 
whatever i forgot the, the other one what was the other one? pelican oh uh, the pelican yeah yeah and so, i feel that also it, it splits a discussion that usually happens i i see it happen here too is that is that fountain pens can also be a status item just like watches are sure so and when it when you're talking it's a status item you're the this it becomes a different object than when you're just talking about it being a a purposeful utility item that mm-hmm. you use every day and that you enjoy and that reflects your personality in some way because even because even with the pens that are inexpensive and are not your big 3 as he mm-hmm. puts it they are still they're still status items because it does show you know you buy it because it let's say fits your particular color that you like or you like the the nib on it the nib decoration you have you have something that's personally connecting with you that you feel that it represents your personality it's something that you want to be seen writing with mm-hmm. so so it still is a status item but when it comes to when it comes to exclusionary like looking at just let's say three brands and those are the premier top brands that people all agreed on that's like that's like collecting together and saying that like you're not it's it's not a fine pen unless it comes from these brands and, right. and like it's not it's it, it's a really big deal when you get something from these three pen manufacturers because it means a lot more there's a lot more cachet a lot more status than the other brands that are out there i so yeah i think but but i wonder and i'm not in korea so i can't answer this i wonder if now because of social media and the exposure to all these other brands because i mean think about it those big three became the big three because those are what's those were what's available now that there's more available i wonder if and i believe they will expand the big three to the big five to the big seven to the big 10 whatever mm-hmm. but i mean yeah, I, and I think I, that just comes out of that just comes out of the connectedness of our of our world and being able to see what else is out there yeah because because you could find these alternatives in other brands that could have more beautiful materials look even more prestigious and a lot more like expensive i guess mm-hmm. or a lot more like a beauty sort of item that like that like then those other then what those other brands have to offer so when you have that when you see that you have that visibility then naturally you're gonna be like oh well let me try this out or i'll buy this from and especially since we have such an interconnected uh commerce trade you know uh, like a worldwide trade you know where it's like you know you could order a japanese pen you know on a japanese website and then get it imported here and then you know like and to translate the website and there's a lot less barriers than for these pens to just cross borders mm-hmm. and for people to really get themselves a you know not to be limited to a certain number of brands that people are are very like obsessed about you know mm-hmm. in terms of thinking of them as like the highest of the status but yeah. i think that also comes over time because like the pen enthusiasts just have general tastes and if the tastes are are congruent with like the whole group then people will want to fit in with it and then some people naturally won't but like but like the thing is when you when it comes to trying to belong to a group of people uh we belong to a larger group like the fountain pen enthusiasts who are all about enjoying anything that has a nib on it mm-hmm. you know and and regardless of where it comes from how it's made if it writes nice and and you like it that's what you like and we're very like inclusive about that but there are groups within that that say oh well you know we're only about 
this particular brand or we're only about pens that, that have a piston fill or an 18 karat nib that's all we're about you know do you think that that's what he's talking about i well in but in a broader sense so kind of saying that because of the group that he was belonging to in in korea that i guess like whatever discussion board or if, if it was like a pen club mm-hmm. that just happened to be that they all kind of got on the same page about right what what pens that they thought were the most valuable i see but like i said again i think that just has to do with the established big three that uh, it was established because that was really the limitation of what was available you know what i mean i wonder if they'll expand out i believe they would because uh, there's a instagrammer and youtuber that i'm friends with on on instagram her name is heiju and then korean words after that i think it's her name in korean and she posts like a lot she's got a lot of fucking pens now her youtube channel is difficult to follow for me because i i don't i don't really she speaks korean way better than i do and i can't really understand it all but her photos are very nice and she has a love for fountain pens like a deep intense love for fountain pens she she posts pictures all the time and stuff like that and she is across the board with pretty much every brand out there. You know, mm-hmm. she has yeah. Aurora's, she has Twisby's, she has everything. You name it, she has it. She posts. And I like how she does it too. She'll fill out two pages on the notebook and then leave the notebook open and put it down in the middle. I have no idea what she's writing because I can't read Korean, but, you know. Maybe maybe you want to put, um, if you could just, because I know that there's, you know, Korean characters in there but if you want to like copy it and then send it to me i could put it in the the podcast description notes so that people could check it out okay yeah i mean it's it's interesting because she has great korean handwriting and she's a very good artist too so i always i always find it interesting to see her stuff i always like it she has a lot of auroras she's got parker she's got lamy what the fuck brand is this? I don't know what this is. So basically, I mean. like for every for every group that could seem like they're all in agreement as to what the best pens are, mm-hmm. you're always going to find people who cut counter to that and they're just yeah. like, Oh, she I certainly just love is one of all them. of these things. Yeah. So I mean, but that's but that's I, I feel that that's generally speaking, like the United States market mm-hmm. kind of has more of that adopted feeling where it just is like it's just like the more the merrier. It's like let's invite everybody to the party. You know, I, yeah. I don't care. Like it's like it's like you like, you know, you, know, you like Moonmans. I like Leonardo's. I you like Montblancs. I like Sailors. You know, it's right. like whatever. So yeah. anything goes. Yeah. So anyway, that's. Thank you for the email, Jay. Appreciate it. Did you find the one that you wanted to read? Uh, not from Ken's. Although, like, let me see. Hold on one second. I mean, we got, there's several others if you can't find it. Hold on a second. Let me see. Yeah, you pick one. Okay. I, I like the one in response to the Regerts from last week. Regerts. Regerts. Mm-hmm. So, so she doesn't want this name to be shared, so I'm not going to share the name. Okay. But hello, Roy and Tom. I have been enjoying the podcast. I am a bit of a potty mouth myself, but I have to admit that if I use any scrotal verbiage, it will be strictly pejorative. I don't know what pejorative <laughs> means. What does that mean? 
Too dumb I actually have to, to look it up myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gosh, my God, she stumped you. She must be really fucking smart. Expressing going... contempt or disapproval. Gotcha. Okay, that's what pejorative means. I won't remember that in 10 seconds. I was going through mm-hmm. a drawer about a year ago and found a blue fountain pen. It was a Waterman Phileas. Is that how you say it? Phileas? Phileas. Like Phileas okay. Fogg, the character from Around the World in 80 Days. Gotcha. It was a Waterman Phileas that I bought for my daughter in the early 2000s. She likes writing ultra small with an ultra fine pen, so she didn't like the medium nib on this pen. Finding this pen was a strange experience because on first sight, I could remember none of the details about this pen. It took me a while to remember what it was and why I had it. My daughter still isn't into fountain pens, though she will play happily with the pens I bring along when I visit her. Lucky me. Now I have two Phileas pens in my collection. That's a nice story. I mean... It's, 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 the Phileas was one of those pens I wish that Waterman still made. That that was a dumb decision, I think, on Waterman's part. It's like, hey, we have a pen that's great that everybody's buying. Let's discontinue it. What the fuck are you thinking? Who's hiring the guy that makes these decisions? You know what I mean? It's like a pen that's always selling. Everybody likes it. Everybody buys it. It was kind of synonymous with Waterman, was it not? It was a great entry to the brand. It was yeah. reasonably priced. Like you were able to find a Phileas, I think it was – I think their list price was like 50 bucks and it was a cartridge converter. It, it had like a marbled barrel. Some of them were like solid colors or whatever, but like it was a, it was a resin pen. Mm-hmm. It just, but it was a great like entry. It it looked really fancy. Like it, it carried the Waterman name. So it, it seemed, it seemed like a bigger value than was actually worth. And actually, if you go and try to price it out now, if you go try looking for a brand new Phileas, like you'll be paying for a pen that used to be 50 bucks, you'll be paying at least 200 for it oh, if my you can find it relatively new. I have a question. Was there some sort of corporate changing of hands or ownership when they decided to cut it? Because at that's the, what... No, at, at the time it still was like... So this was even... This was far back before... Like the, I mean, like this was this was a long time ago when this happened, but like even farther back from that... Waterman and Parker are, are were owned by Newell Rubbermaid, a Sanford, the Sanford division of Newell Rubbermaid, which also owns like Sharpie and Elmer's glue and things like that. So mm-hmm. they, they, you know, th- there was no change involved. It just was, they just killed it. That's it. You Why know, they would they the decide to do that? Like, did they replace it with something know. better? Like, what is the deal? What makes someone do something like that? Well, I know, I know for a fact, although there's so many of them out there still, everybody's beloved entry-level fountain pen, the Pilot Metropolitan's actually not, it, like, we're on borrowed time for that. Because I don't, because, because Pilot basically underestimated the popularity of that pen and didn't really make it and manufacture it with the idea that it was supposed to be a pen that they would have forever and ever that like that like oh they needed to make more of these pens to satisfy the demand for it and i, I just think that it was not it was not conceived as like oh this is going to be our best selling you know entry level fountain pen ever and uh and i i think attempts to try to wean people off of that with the pilot explorer you know it's still it's still is like you can't get people off the metropolitan it's no, just not the, uh, the, it's such a great pen yeah so. and the metropolitan is far better than the explorer's fires i'm concerned yeah so uh, same thing with they... the, the phileas is like it's elegant it's 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 a pen that punches above its weight it's you know it's got a decent nib on it that you can't argue with for what you buy it for so 
I don't know, some decisions I can't ever make. I can't imagine being an entrepreneur who wants to make money and go into a meeting with like all the other people in the room in the business and be like, hey, I have a great idea, guys. Our number one selling product, get rid of it. Boom, <laughs> drop the mic, motherfuckers. Come back with something like that. Like how, what, what goes on in someone's mind? Like, like I have a problem with our best selling product that's paying everybody's salaries. What is it? Mm-hmm. It exists, get rid of it. Like, that's good for business. Why? I don't understand. They should have just kept that pen. I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah. Source spot for me. I don't like I don't like that they got rid of it. I don't approve. I should be in charge of that company. <laughs> yeah. I wish you were I wish you were in charge of a uh, a pen company. That would be fun. Yeah, I, I think like it would to see be. that happen. Yeah. Let's see and see what kind of scrotal verbiage you could include <laughs> in your product descriptions. <laughs> yeah. The, Alrighty, is there anything else that you want to read? Because we're we spent a lot. Uh, yeah, of we're, time. I think we're. Yeah, we've uh, we've explored the mailbag quite a bit this week, and pretty happy with the the results of that. And maybe mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll continue onward next week because I know there's still like a few other. Yeah, there's you know, there's messages that, several others that deserve to be read that we didn't get to because we spent too much time on. The, we, we we need to work on our time management skills, don't you think? <laughs> we need to work on on the like let's let's talk about let's not talk about the the you know stirring the pot and then stir the pot anyway. Right. That's right. it's we like gotta... it's like oh we don't you know like we, let's let's stay on topic let's stay on target you know. Right. How hypocritical am I? I'm like I'm not going to talk about this, but let me say something about it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real quick. real quick. Real quick. Two hours later. All right, I'm done talking about it. But one more thing. Let's like, let's, let's read another email. <laughs> yeah. So before we go, I wanted to talk to you about some pens that I think are fantastic. You brought. I was going to talk about the Duragraph. This is very quick because I know we're over time. The Duragraph metal I love, but I also, but everybody knows I like the Duragraph. This pen here, oh, I love this pen. This is the Joya Alaria. The Joya Alaria. What makes me love it so much is, it's a crazy thing. This is an Italian-made pen, made in Italy, with Italian acrylic. It is a piston filler with a Yovo number six size nib. Vintage style. And on top of that, the clip is made using a procedure called lost wax casting. So it's not stamped out. It's actually casted. This pen is $159. And the pedigree of this pen could demand a price upwards to $300, maybe $350. But so you said it was a steel nib, right? It's a steel nib, yeah. Yeah, but this pen is one hundred and fifty nine dollars and twenty cents, at least at Pen Chalet, Chalet. I still can't say the fucking name <laughs> at Pen Chalet, and I think it's just an awesome. I'm not. I'm not. I, you know, we're not sponsored by Pen Chalet, obviously, but he carries them, and coupon code Good Words still works, and I think people need to get this pen in their hand. This mm-hmm. pen for $159 to me is hands down the best possible pen you can get for $159 that is made in Italy, made of Italian acrylic, that has a Yovo number no. six size nib, and is a piston filler. Because most Italian pens in this pedigree cost in the hundreds, three, four hundred dollars. And they got like other colors too. Like this one's really nice. This one is 
-hmm. like a dark swirly blue it has black trim this one's really nice it's just it's really nice the alaria the joya alaria i have one on my desk too oh yeah look at that you have that this was a sample of bryce sent me yeah yeah i know you're not carrying it but you know that's like i said the reason you're not carrying that is because you feel like the Italian market, there's too many similarities. Yada, well, we yada, have, yada. you know, it's like it's like as a as a retailer who who has like limited space, for right, things, right, right, right. So it's like you have limited. You have it's you think because like oh it's an online store you could just put up anything right because it's right. like you, digital space is free. Attention's not free. So sure. it's like it's like if you want to point somebody in the direction of like well what would you recommend for a nice for a nice pen well here's what you recommend like not give them because like that's like that's the reason why people don't really like shopping on Amazon I don't like browsing on Amazon if you know what you need to get mm-hmm. and Amazon's the only one that has it that could ship it within like 24 hours and you get it the next day on your doorstep that's what it's good for it's mm-hmm. not good for being like well I want to see the top piston filling fountain pens that right are made with 100%. italian acrylic and have a nice like yovo nib no it's not like that so so like you know when it comes down to that you have to you have to consider attention but you also have to consider space because you got to be able to warehouse this stuff somewhere so right. it's like so it's like being that the office is as small as it is and it's being overrun by product in every nook and cranny it's like you know it's like right. it's like it, to take in a whole entire new line it requires uh you know having to stock it up and have it be available and you need sure, to have it available in every nib size and every color yeah and every possible trim combination so, so it's a lot of space you know i think it's i, I mean that's totally understandable i, I respect that i just and I, I like it i like it a lot i, I this and this you looks know what really the thing cool is, the thing that is so stunning to me is the price is 159 dollars. that i mean name another italian high quality luxury italian brand with italian acrylic we're not talking stock acrylic that you see in duragraphs and stuff like that you're talking about acrylic that is italian it's not european grade it's italian name another brand that sells a pen that's a piston filler with a yova number six size nib made in italy with italian acrylic that is 160 bucks you can't i cannot and i want to ask you something when you screw the cap on the mm-hmm. pen no matter where you thread it, does it always line up the clip with where it says Joya Alaria, yeah. like yeah. engraved on the barrel? Yeah, that's, that's hot. That's all of them, though. Like I have three I colors. Like that. That's all of them. Yeah, I and like I like that. that the threads are at the top of the grip, and since it's a piston filler, you're not gonna unscrew the threads accidentally. Yes, unscrew yeah. the section accidentally. I just wish that everybody could do that, you know, like to to be able to line it up correctly, like every no matter where you thread it on, it just lines up all the, every single time. Sure. Can you imagine if this were a Montegrappa, how much this would cost? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, firstborn. For yeah, sure. I love. I, it's just it's crazy because this could be a Grail cost pen, but it's one hundred and fifty nine dollars. I I couldn't believe it. That's I had these in my possession because Bryce sent them to me. You know, because he's a sponsor of the podcast. And you look at this color here. This one's like purple and, and yellow swirls. It's really nice. And it's just... Well, the only thing I could say I could say against it, though, is that looking at its style, like when you're saying like Grail, mm-hmm. it, it's relatively unassuming. I mean, the color it's, is really nice and the patterning on it's nice. Yeah. It, it, has a, it has a vintage flair and there's some translucency here. But for the most part, like the shape isn't overall like 
exceptionally like interesting it just kind of has like a step down cylindrical sort of shape at least this is just in my opinion like when mm-hmm. you're looking at like a grail pen grail pens tend to be very like unique in in their in their that design. depends on that depends on who you're talking to because a grail pen is just a a an unobtainable for somebody right so mm-hmm. when i say it's it's a grail pen i'm not talking about i'm not talking about the design i'm talking about its pedigree in terms of cost right a lot of people a uh, mm-hmm. fine italian pen made of italian acrylic is a grail pen because they typically cost way up in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars this right, one being right. only 159 dollars it could be grail cost status but it's not it's it's literally 159 dollars and it's to me that's just mind-boggling how good it is but you have to like the vintage style you have to like the yeah. flat top bottom cylindrical vintage i would like style. it if they put what if they put something at the top of the cap like just like some sort of engraving or decoration on top of there just to make it you know different i don't know i kind of like the fact that the joya Alaria, and then the the number because they number, the number everything it. is on right. the barrel and the only other branding is on the nib I kind of like that. I don't know. This is this is a very vintagey style piston filler. I like it. I'm not really. Into I'm just. The I'm just fascinated style. with the fact that the engraving matches up with the clip every time. I'm just keep yeah. coming back to that. I'm like, damn. It's like it's like with um. So I have on my desk too uh, the Leonardo uh, Caretta, the, the yeah. Momento Zero Caretta, which mm-hmm. is when you see it here. Mm-hmm. I have it lined up right now mm-hmm. so that the the shiny chatoyant areas. Are, are facing each other mm-hmm. but the moment that i decide to like cap it somewhere else it it mis- it misaligns you see like yeah. you know, i have a dark spot on the barrel and the cap is still like shiny and stuff because i'm just looking at it that way so i often have to uncap and recap this pen to get it to line up again you know how many times you know how many you know how you can figure out how many different threads it has how do you do that okay so basically you reverse reverse thread it and it's going to click and then you close it, see where it lines up. Then you reverse click, re- reverse thread and make it click again, see where it lines up, and you keep doing that. Click. Okay, so watch. So so watch, watch. I'm unscrewing it, but I'm kind of holding the cap against the barrel as I unscrew it, and then it clicks. You know what I mean? What? Okay, so unscrew it, unscrew okay. it until until the threads click. I don't get any. Okay, okay. so so I'm hold. Okay, so you know how you have to push the pen into the cap in order to screw it to to thread yes. it. Okay, so now okay. just go in the reverse direction. While pushing it in the ah, same way, right? Okay. And then now, once okay. it clicks, then close it. Then then screw it in, right? And you do that. It count as many times you have to do that until it lines up. And if you have to do that three times, it means it has three separate threads. If you only have to do it twice, it has two separate threads. If you every time you cap it and it lines up, it only has one set of threads. So, so like, and you can hear it if I'm trying to put it up against the microphone here. So, like, what I'm doing is I'm I'm putting the cap on as if I'm capping the pen, and mm-hmm. instead of turning it clockwise to actually close the pen, I'm turning it counterclockwise while still pressing the cap into the yes. pen, and then it clicks. So that I, then I would hear the click. And I'm then, doing it very gently. Yeah, as soon as it clicks, yeah. then you cat, then you screw close, you close it, you screw it closed, and see right. where it lines up, right until it right. until it's in. now. Where does it line up? If it lines up with the it clip, it lines up like this. Okay, no, so it th- does not. All right, so 
So basically, you're going to do that until it lines up to see how many times it takes. You know what I mean? But you have to actually right, start. This was from... number two. I did this at number two. So, okay, I, so I lined it up with number two. Okay, but that doesn't mean it has two because you have to start with a baseline. Now do it again uh, as many times as it takes until it closes and lines up again. That's the correct number. I hope I'm making sense here. There's three. Three. So, so basically three. you start with it lined up and then you unscrew it and click it and then screw it closed. If you have to do that three times, it means there's three sets of threads. Three times, three times around means there's three sets of, there's three possible ways to thread the yes. cap on the barrel. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm learning things on this entertainment podcast. <laughs> I hope people so have an understanding of what it is that I, you know, so th that's how you can tell. Like if, if there is. I really, I really hope that they waited until an hour and 15 minutes in to get this gem of an idea right. here. So like, this is I, my. You need to do like a video on this. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's in order to tell how it lines up with an engraved pen, like if it, the clip lines up on the barrel. Or like, or like in the case of the Leonardo Momento Zero Carretta, there's, the, there, there's an obvious configuration, and it has the engraving on the side, too, that would line up with the clip, where the clip is, is put on the side that has the more chatoyant mm -hmm. area that kind of looks like arco celluloid. So mm -hmm. you'd want to have it lined up like how it is here, mm -hmm. but yet... But yet there's three different ways to thread this so that you could possibly thread it on two other ways that then would not have it line up. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. It's it's useful knowledge. Yeah. It's useful. It's a nice nugget of useful information. Yeah. All right. So, and I think but, with, with that, we'll leave we'll leave off everybody with that uh, with that helpful tidbit there. Yeah. If they're not <laughs> completely and totally frustrated with confusion. Which they could be. <laughs> like, what the fuck are these idiots talking about? I have no idea. Click? Why is my pen? Why would my pen click? Right. Yeah. That's that's the one thing that the Popeye pen got right. It lines up the Popeye logo with the clip every time. But, God, I, it's like I hate this pen so much that I actually love it. I just wish it didn't dry <laughs> out. It dries so fast because, listen, I'm going to blow into the cap. Listen to this. That's air escaping from the top of the cap. It's like mm -hmm. no wonder it dries out quick. That's crazy. If it didn't dry out, it would be amazing. I'd... Is if is if like you would blow into the cap and like it would make some sort of like steamboat sound or something like a whistle? that. It would be like I bet yeah, you if I threw like, a, like a, a little ball bearing in there, it would create like a whistle, right? That would be funny. Yeah, I mean seriously. Anyway, all right. So that's yeah. all we have. For he you do, this didn't Popeye do like a little like sound like that? It was like doo -doo, like when he would blow it out of his pipe, like blow like the smoke out of his pipe or something like that. If I'm remembering correctly. I don't know. Is that Mandela effect so. shit happening? Is that what it's called when everybody remembers the th thing wrong? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. I think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> Junkie, the finish because I eat me spinach. Anyway, I think that's all we have for you this week. Thanks again for listening. Love you guys. Be well, be safe. Stay inky.